This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Welcome to the second half of our conversation with Sandra Yancey. We were discussing relationships and managing boundaries, and she has a lot to offer in the second half of our conversation. Especially in a time like this, how does, how does one go about figuring out what is different about them and what they have to offer in the business world? So I think you have to do uh, a competitive analysis, number one. So everybody has competitors and it might, and I hear people say, well, no one is really just like me. Okay. So then let me put it this way. (laughs) Who else is vying for the same dollars that you're trying to get from someone? I mean, that's another way to look at it, right? So if it's not a direct competitor, then who are the same people that are vying? I mean, I'll tell you, you know, Coke people will swear that there's nothing, that Pepsi is not Coke. That's not a competitor. I promise you, Pepsi and Coke are looking at each other like we're vying for the same dollars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and so who's vying for the same dollars? And then, and you need to know that every major corporation does that. I'm telling you, every CVS is watching what Walgreens does. Every Target is watching what Walmart does. You know, every Samsung is watching what Apple does, you know? And so you have to know where you are alike and where the messaging may sound similar. Then what you do is once you know that, then you need to say, so now how am I really different? How am I really different? What is my point of differentiation? What is unique to me that differentiates me from other people in my same space? And that's where you begin to really carve out your niche. And your languaging and your messaging and your brand has to be on point in order to stand out, right? And that's why branding and messaging is so important. And I think and clarity, getting clear, because a confused buyer never buys. And I, I think that if you don't know what you stand for in about 15 words or less, then you haven't you haven't developed the clarity. I had a I, I had a boss one time, Phil Morris. I'll never forget it. He um at, you know, he was a vice president, and I was brand new, um out of school. And in fact, I don't even think I had graduated yet because I was one of those that didn't have the sorority experience. I didn't get to go away to college. I had to work and go to night school. And um, I don't think I, I had graduated yet. And anyway, he liked me and he, um, you know, he sponsored me and he, you know, gave me opportunities and uh, he had me attend a meeting and he asked me to summarize the actions, you know, of the meeting um, in an email for him. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was so nervous about it. And I wanted it to be perfect. And I typed it all up and I gave it to him. And when I walked into my, when, walked into his office, it was a two page document. And when he took it and he realized it was two pages without 
ever reading a word of it. He put the pages together, flipped it over on its side and tore it in half and handed it back to me and said, if it takes you uh, two pages to communicate what we just covered in this last hour, then you've missed the whole point. It was a very, I never forgot it. I was devastated because I felt like I had failed. Um, And I felt like he, you know, his opinion of me diminished. And really what, what I realized is he was watching my rebound ability. You know what I mean? And my ability to take direction and my ability to take feedback. And I never forgot that. And I'm telling you, I was in my 20s. I never forgot it. And to this day, I think about that from time to time, like synthesize this and get clear, you know, in a matter of words. And, you know, I'm all about 11 words, 1 million women each helping 1 million uh, women achieve $1 million. I mean, you know, it's pretty simple. And it took me a while. That wasn't my first go round by any means. But, you know, you evolve. All brands evolve. Even Instagram, if you look at their... um, if you look at their logo, I think they're on their third, if not fourth iteration of their logo. Look at the McDonald's arches. It's evolved and changed over time. Look at Mickey Mouse, for crying out loud, and the evolution <laughs> of Mickey Mouse. Look at, I mean, people do something once and then they feel like they go, they check it up, oh, done with that. And then they don't go back to it. Instead of realizing that brands are evolutions and you have to stay relevant and you have to shift and you have to, I'm on my third tagline, you know what I mean? In 20 years, not bad, but I'm wanting to stay (laughs) relevant, you know? And then you initiate your branding. You, You do what Ken says, your husband, Kathy, the rule of threes. Again, I'm a student. I hang around people that have achieved really great things. I find out what their two, three, four key lessons to success are. And then I go and emulate it in my own darn business. Completely different business, your, your husband in, in the music industry versus what I'm doing. But instead of adopting, I adapt it. But I still, like, I mean, I come back and I just put it to work. And I find different impressions and ways to reiterate it. And I just I just keep evolving, you know, kind of fall forward. <laughs> yeah. That is such great advice. Thank you. Um, I You touched on this earlier, but what is your advice on managing time and your office space? Yeah, so I don't manage time. So that's a great question because it gives me the chance to clarify. I don't manage time, I manage boundaries. And I find that when you manage your boundaries, time takes care of itself. Mm -hmm. The problem with time is that, you know, my mother used to say the problem with the rat race is, you know, even if you win, you're still a rat, (laughs) right? (laughs) And I I love that, you know, because I think that's what happens when people manage time. They're not really thinking about, is this really worth me doing? Do I really value to this? Does it really bring me joy? You know, do I understand why I'm really doing this? And I think when we assess, you know, where our time goes, it's kind of like, have you ever wanted to lose 10 pounds? And I've done that at least 10 times, 100 pounds in total. <laughs> but but I remember that one time it's, they said, write down everything that you put in your mouth. Because you put things in your mouth, you don't even notice that you're putting in your mouth. And I, I remember being down at my one of my accountants, my senior accountant, Connie's office one day, and she has a little bowl of those little Hershey's kisses, you know, the ones that are in the yeah. little silver drops. And I remember being in there and talking to her about a couple of things. And I walk into my office and I look in my hand and I've got like five little balls because <laughs> I take that I take that foil, you know, and I play with it and I make little balls. And I thought to myself, my God, I just popped five Hershey's Kisses in my mouth 
and ate them and didn't savor a one of them. I can hardly remember it. If it wasn't for the little balls in my, the palms of my hand, I, I wouldn't have even really known that I'd done it. And I think the same is true in business. And I tell my, the people that I coach, one of the things they have to do is take a week and write down everything that they do. I'm talking chicken scratch. You don't have to make a big formal thing out of this and do it every hour, about every hour, hour and a half. Stop and just jot down, you know, what are all the stuff that you're doing? And then start to really notice, you know, what are the things that you're spending your time on that you really have no business doing and, and starting to take crap out that just, this doesn't bring me joy this really doesn't add any value. This really doesn't have a, a true purpose. This doesn't, and imagine what it might be like if you got hours in the day back, just like you get calories back, you know, that you can, you know, put into things that really do create fulfillment for you, you know? And so I'm really clear on my boundaries. I mean, I just don't get caught up in a lot of stuff that, you know, um, that doesn't fulfill me, that doesn't, move my life, my joy, or my business forward. I just don't. I've just learned to say, you know, no is a complete sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hard fabulous. Because we got, we feel like we got to say no, because like we got to justify our no. It's crazy. And you know, you're going to laugh at the next question that I had written down. Why? Because it's one of my favorite of your sayings is I believe from your mother and you just okay. quoted this, even if you are, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. Can you so that? I, I had written that down because I love that. I've heard you say that and I love yeah. it. But yeah. what do you advise people who feel they're trapped in a rat race? Like to do well, what you just all, said, manage boundaries. I think this, that's a really great question. It gives me the opportunity to say, you know, women and particularly women who, you know, are of age, if you will, that have been around for a while that, you know, you know, watch Snow White because they needed the prince to kiss her to wake her up. You know what I mean? Or the Cinderella's that needed the prince to come and rescue her for her to, you know, become the queen. You know, uh, we have, you know, or the, you know, I always say, you know, there was the, which was the one that I think it was Snow White that didn't like her current situation. So she ran away and, you know, went and, you know, set up shop with seven guys seven named Joby and, <laughs> yeah. and Grumpy. Like, what's that about? Talk about the frying pan into the fire. I mean, I, I mean, we've just not had, and I think we often wait to be rescued. And I think a really important message and the thing that I love you know, for my daughter, who's now 30, and now my new little granddaughter, who's three months, um, is that, you know, we're, we're changing the messaging. The messaging. Um, I think it's really important for women to understand that, you know, we have to be our own rescue. We, we have to quit waiting for people to swoop in or we have a total meltdown and freak out and suddenly everybody listens to us. You know what I'm saying? Instead of saying for the first time in a calm voice, you know, I need to say no to this because it's totally distracting me and it's taking me away from what really brings me joy. And I just need to say, no, I'm not going to go to this event this weekend or this, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. I mean, I run an events business, so going to a party is not my idea of fun. For me, my <laughs> idea of fun is my, my old ratty, torn up, red fuzzy robe with a big bowl of homemade popcorn you know, popped in my popcorn pot, you know what I'm saying? Sounds so husband. good. Yeah, you know, 
with a martini watching, you know, something that we both decide we're going to watch. I mean, and I'm unattached to whatever it is because I just love just doing nothing and being in my reclining chair. So, um, but I, I think we just have to like start to be our own rescue and start to say no more often and, 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 and ask ourselves, why are we saying yes? Are we guilting ourselves into saying yes? Are we, what is the motivation that's causing us to say yes to things that don't add real value to our lives? Yeah. Great advice. Can you share some of your light bulb moments as a CEO? And can you tell our listeners a little bit about what a light bulb moment is? I call them light bulb moments, hashtag LBM. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you, you, you have that, you know, uh, flash of the blinding obvious. (laughs) 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 And they're like, oh my gosh, I so needed that right now. Like I'm noticing in this environment, you know, a light bulb moment for me is quit trying to explain myself to people who are committed to misunderstanding me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like a light bulb moment. You know what I mean? Like, you you know, it's just, uh, you know, those light bulb moments, those things that just land on you in a moment that you say, I so needed to hear this. And sometimes it's things you've heard in the past, but you didn't need to hear them then. You know what I mean? It, it, it just is resonating with, you know, uh, with you in, the, in, in this very moment. So my light bulb moment right now is to be careful. You know, I, I'm not having conversations with people who are committed to misunderstanding me. And I'm not having a light bulb moment for me is um, that um, I will only have conversations with people who agree to disagree without one of us having to be wrong. Um, that's a light bulb moment. I mean, it, it changes. So I'm just looking at the political environment and it's just too toxic. And I just, I'm opting out. No, the answer is no, it's a complete sentence. I will not play, right? Um, and I don't, I'm not trying to convince other people either. I feel like what happened to just the ability to disagree, you know what I mean? And it be okay that we have different perspectives on things, but that doesn't mean I have to now hate you, unfollow you, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. So, you know, another, a, a, a critical light bulb moment for me has been in my life and in my, certainly in my business is no one, no one makes it alone no one makes i mean you don't have to have a staff like me but you you can't make it alone i i really do believe that if you're going to be in business you have to have a coach because there's you're so in it that there's too many blind spots you can't see it's kind of like that little poppy seed you know that's in between your teeth right you can't see it but somebody else can um that's a, a been a powerful uh light bulb moment for me The other one, I think I mentioned it earlier, which is very important, is that which gets taken for granted gets taken away, which is another reason why you have to manage your boundaries and some level that brings us, you know, all back. And um, I would say another one, it's more, it's not more just a statement, but it is a philosophy. And that is that, you know, life is full of lessons. Lessons are repeated until learned and learning never stops. Ideal. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you when travel was a thing in the not too distant past, 
you and your husband, Kim, led many mastermind retreats to exotic places on the globe. Yeah. And which were your favorites or what was your favorite? Well, I took 19 people to Bangkok and Thailand. And that was an impossible moment because people had been asking me, so Sandra, will you teach us how to uh, do these high-end five-star retreats? And so would you teach us everything that you know on how to do a retreat? And so I started thinking about it and I said, well, if I'm going to do this, why don't I do a five-star retreat and teach how to do retreats? So I called it retreats on retreats. <laughs> yeah. You know, a retreat on retreats kind of thing. Fantastic. And, and um, so I took, I took, and, and I Kim said, so where, where do you want to take people? And I said, I, you know, I want to go to Bangkok and Thailand. This was actually a year ago right now. And I said, and he goes, Sandra, you can't even get through a, a um, you know, a Chinese restaurant with chopsticks. And I said, I know, but I start out with chopsticks and then I give up halfway through. <laughs> you know? Maybe I'll get through the other end of it. Ironically enough, it was never an issue. But anyway, I did this most, and I flew people, like I, I flew them from Bangkok to Shanghai, and then we drove and stopped in different places to get to Chiang Mai, and then I drove, flew them back. I mean, I was orchestrating flights and, you know, manifests and things I had never done before. And um, it was, it was, I mean, it, to, to be in the, the water, you know, rubbing mud, giving a mud bath to the, with the elephants and, I mean, it was the most amazing experience. We went to that lantern festival where there were millions of lanterns that were released into the universe. You know, they're biodegradable. So they, you know, they're good for the environment, but you, the sky was lit in lanterns. It's where it started in Chiang Mai, uh, Thailand, the world renowned um, uh, festival. It, you know, it was just the, mo and I, you know what? We, the 19 of us became fast friends. We have our own little messenger group and we've had a reunion and we'll do a Zoom and everybody's sharing their photos right now that are popping up on their phones. It, and I'm, I'm going to do Bali. I'm going to do Singapore and Bali in May. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm oh, putting it out there and I'm praying for a vaccine. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. And I'm going. Oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Sandra, how do you make your decisions? Um, I have an EGT and executive growth team. So there are six of us. I run most of my ideas and decisions by them. And every now and then I just got to get quiet every now, like they would have, they, they, they didn't think I should do the, the Bali thing. You know what I mean? The, the I mean, the, the Thailand thing, they, did, they didn't think that was a good idea. They didn't think people would be interested. I sold it out in 20 minutes. I swear to God, I announced it. It was sold out in 20. In fact, I had a waiting list. And in fact, I only want, I only really wanted to take 12 and I ended up taking 19. I still had a waiting list. Um, and, um, and they just didn't think it was going to go and it was it was going to be a good idea. Uh, it doesn't happen very often, but I find that I got to get quiet. You know, your, your head has a language that your heart doesn't understand. And so I find that when when everybody is saying no, but I still feel that ping in my heart, like that's just not resonating with me. I got to get really quiet. And I'm so you're saying even with a team, you have to think and meditate 
on your own on what's yeah. good for yourself. For sure. You know, you think about, you know, the conductor has to turn his back to the orchestra to really lead the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? That has to turn his back to the audience. The conductor turns yeah. his back to the audience to really lead the orchestra to lead yeah. the way. And I, I, I do think about that from time to time. And I, I, I have had to make decisions. You know, I, I was I was kind of overruled on, I just did this big event and I sent everybody a gift box, you know, and, you know, and I sent them as far away as Germany and Australia. I mean, I sent them all over for people that registered for my virtual event. It was very costly. I mean, not only the box, but also the shipping in some cases was $70 just to ship a box, you know. And I was really kind of like, um, you really feel like we need to do that kind of thing. And I slept on it. I came back and I said, I know this is an out-of-pocket expense, but I really feel like this is going to matter. It's going to make a difference. And we did it. And it did. It did. It clearly changed the experience. It turned it from a, just a regular virtual Zoom event to a true experience where people could give feedback and, you know, because um, it was all about turning up the heat. And I, I did everything all around, you know, um, I always said, be fearless in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. You know, so everything yeah. in there had a quote about fire and finding the fire within. And, you know, um, my mother used to say to me as a young girl, you know, Sandra, you know, you need to go out and set yourself on fire. Everyone will come and watch you burn. And when I was a young girl, I didn't really understand it. It kind of sounded um, <laughs> right. But I never asked her about it. Maybe I was afraid of her answer. She never offered me. Um, but as I grew up, I understood what she meant. The, I'll never forget the first time I heard a guy. It was a, a, a young guy that was talking. He said, you know, I'm so hot, I'm on fire. And he was talking about being in that best place. You know, and I and I feel like women when they glow, it's like a it's like a fire. The flowers I have I have daffodils in my backyard that come up every spring, and it's fun to watch them because they start to come up and then they grow sideways. And the reason why they grow sideways is because that's where the sun is. They grow into the sun, and the sun is fire. You know, I, I just when we think about people that are really smart, we often say they're bright. And there's just so it's the reason why I named my movie Glow. You know what I mean? There's a glow. You ask, what do you what do you know about her? She just glows. I mean, it's just that extra it, you know, and that it that. I think yeah. is what the people that have their it lit, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. And how this year, how tell us how you've adapted your business model in 2020 to be able to be successful during the pandemic. Well, Kathy, let me just tell you, my business model just flushed down the toilet on March 13th when everything went to, mm -hmm. everybody goes home. I mean, I had a live event company, 1,500 events a year, you know, and everything we did was about live event and we just took it all online. And um, and we moved we moved our big conference to next year and then I, opted to do a big three-day virtual event and hired a production crew of, I think there was 17, 20 of these guys, engineers, and we had a big stage and we rented a hotel ballroom and it was six cameras, I think. And there were, you know, if you think about kind of watching America's Got Talents, how they put all the faces behind you. We had yeah. two, four, I think it was eight different screens, you know what I mean? And it, I mean, it was 
really special and powerful. And, you know, it felt like a really big lift. I'd never done anything like that before. It was very expensive to do to hire that kind of a crew. So it was a huge investment. Then I sent the boxes on top of it, you know, and I just said, I, this is an investment. This isn't an expense. This is an investment of, you know, showing people, um, you know, how you have to be agile. You have to be able to make decisions and go with it and not look back. And you have to trust that even if it doesn't work out as planned, there will be many lessons and it will never be as bad as we hallucinate things to be. And, yeah. and it proved to be better than I could have really imagined. I mean, it was beyond uh-huh. what I could have imagined it to be, beyond. Yeah. You adapted. The capability. You adapted. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. How do that's you- that's that adaptive mindset, I think. You know, the old languaging used to be fixed and growth mindset. I think those need to be like put to rest, you know what I mean? And the new, I think the new word should be an adaptive mindset. Are you adapting to the things that are around you? Yeah, I yeah. think we all have to do that. Yeah, yeah. What, the ones that want to survive anyway. Yeah. Right. How do you describe a powerful woman? What are her qualities? For me, a powerful woman is a woman that's making stuff happen, owning herself, not trying to be an imposter and be somebody that she's not, owning her femininity. I mean, I love women that, you know, that love being women. I mean, I love the fact that, you know, my husband still opens the door for me. Um, I love the fact that, you know, he holds the elevator door even, you know what I mean? I love the fact that, you know, he says, my job is, you know, one of Kim's, one of the big arguments that we had there for a while is I traveled so much for so many years doing, you know, speaking tours that when we would travel together, it was just my uh, second nature just to be standing there at the uh, luggage carousel and when the luggage came out, I would, you know, I'd see, I'd see my luggage. I'd go walking to it. I wouldn't wait for it to come to me, and I'd pick it up and I'd take it off. And Kim, you know, really had a conversation with me that just said, "I, it just, it just really bothers me that you do that." And this is the one thing as a man that, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm responsible for doing, and I want to do it. And so it really got to the point where um, we would get, and it, we, I just wouldn't think about it. It, it. it really is to the point that when we get off, when we get to the baggage claim, he, he always walks me over to a wall, puts his bag down and says, here, you know, the one that he, that he takes on the plane that has his computer. And he says, here, you stay here with my bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there and you have it. Gets the a luggage. powerful woman. Yeah. But, but you are a powerful woman. And yeah, you- I, I think I love, you know, I love chivalry and I love staying a lady and I, you know, I love a good lipstick and, you know, <laughs> I, I love trying the, the latest of, you know, the new nail polish. I like a spa day and I, you know, I, I like staying feminine. I find that, um, I find that it's one of our truly probably one of our most competitive assets is owning being a woman. You have great confidence in yourself as a powerful woman. Yeah, but you know, this is a great comment. I love that you brought this up, Mary, because um, 
people talk about confidence, like how do I get the confidence? And the truth of the matter is it's courage that you have to be willing to master first because courage is a, you know, confidence is a consequence of courage. Confidence comes because you chose to do something courageous and realize that you succeeded or it was never as bad as others might tell you it might be. And because of that, you gain more confidence. In other words, you have to, instead of being ready to jump, you have to jump to be ready. You Love know? that. And, and that, we that dovetails that. with what I was going to ask you next, because I was going to ask you if you knew now when you were starting out, what, well, if you knew when you were starting out what you know now, what would you say to yourself? Um, it's going to be way harder than you ever thought that you ever could imagine, but hang in there. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep going. And don't quit five minutes before the miracle begins. Oh, yep. That's amazing advice. Mm -hmm. We love your quote. Success is for the few who decide to choose it. Yeah. What are your plans for the future? Uh, what well, my plans, so my daughter is on a 10 year succession plan. So she's about three years in and she's doing amazing. Um, I'm, I'm complete uh, with being the CEO of this business for 20 years. I mean, I've managed it in its, you know, heyday when we first launched and then there was the internet bust in 2003, I think it was. And then we had SARS, I don't know if you remember that, but yeah. that was going all over Canada when I was opening up my Canadian chapters. And then we had the market crash in 2008, was it? Yep. I think, yeah. right? And now we've got, you know, COVID and we'll get through this and there'll be something else. I mean, you know, I, I've now known it's just, it's just a phase. It's part of it. Um, I think that, um, I think I have earned the right to uh, say that I've been a good CEO, to have navigated all of those things and never laid a person off. I've never laid a person off and I've never asked my, my team to take a salary cut um, and um, even COVID. And um, I, um, you know, I know, how, I know how to run a small business and I'm complete. And I'm ready to, I'm ready to hand that off. You know, I, I really am. I, I, I just really want to do only the things that only I can do. And truth of the matter is you can hire somebody to be a CEO. I just didn't feel like I, because I teach entrepreneurs how to be a CEO, um, I didn't feel that it would be, I would be an in integrity if I didn't know how to do it myself. You know what I'm saying? And just because you're, just because you started a business doesn't mean you're a CEO. And so those are, that's a, that's a skill set that you have to learn and you have to learn how to navigate. And it's easy. It's like love. It's easy when it's easy. The real test of love is what you do when it's not easy. Well, the same is true in business. It's easy when it's easy. And the real test of your skills at running a business is what you do when it's not easy. And so I feel like I've had, I've been tested, you know, four or five times and um, I'm ready just to do the things that only I can do. So my goal is over the course of the next seven years, Brianna will learn a different area of the business each year, and then I will hand it off to her. And if she decides she wants to hire a CEO, so be it. 
Um, and then, uh, and then I just want to do what I really love doing, which is coaching small businesses. And I'd like to be an angel investor, but I'd like to be an investor that's also on the board so that I'm not only investing, but I'm sticking around to help guide the decisions. And then, um, and then I, I just want to get the return on what I've invested and then anything over that I want to use to then further. I mean, I, I've got a, um, you know, I mean, knock on wood. I mean, I'm not, you know, independently wealthy, like forever or whatever, but I, but I do have a lifestyle that allows me to give back more. And I just am not in a uh, situation uh, with how I spend my time to be able to do that. And, and so I've, Three years ago, I decided I, I wanted to make that shift. I believe it's a good, it's a crisis in our country, the transition of family-owned businesses from one generation to the other. And so I'm, I'm tracking that. I'll ultimately, I think, write a book about it and maybe even approach Harvard about, you know, what we've done uh, to make that so that we can make it replicatable for other family-owned businesses. I feel like that could be a decent part of my, of my legacy. Um, I'm not quitting by any means. I just am done being the CEO. <laughs> wow. It's fantastic to have that kind of a roadmap. Yeah. You know, for your future. Yeah. And we want to say today, our guest today on Late Boomers has been the charismatic and successful businesswoman, Sandra Yancey, co-founder and CEO of eWomen Network. You can find Sandra at eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks so much, Sandra. Any oh parting words of advice for our listeners or something we didn't touch on that you wanted to mention? I would say my parting words is, you know, give without remembering and take without forgetting. I think if we all just do that, you know, that we will live in a, in a, a life full of abundance and also full of gratitude. And I just don't know a better way to live your life. So I want to thank you, Kathy and Mary, for thinking of me and for reaching out and for um, including me and giving me so much of your, both of your precious time. It's been an honor to be here with you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Sandra. It's been an honor to be with you and very inspiring as you always are. Very inspiring. Thank you very much. for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs 
generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.